I feel like in our 30s, as we head into 40, like mid 30s and on, if you're attuned to enough to your body, you're going to feel the shifts. But a lot of what culture tells us is, well, that's normal. If you want to live like you matter, ditch the pills, look great, and feel freaking amazing, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Wendy Trubo. I'm Dr. Ed Levitan. Welcome to the Five Journeys Podcast. Where we empower you to live a vibrant and healthy life by optimizing your structural, chemical, emotional, social, and spiritual lives. Hang on to your hats. Our guest today is Dr. Marisa Snyder. She's a functional practitioner, women's hormone expert, and the author of eight books. The newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution, focuses on solutions for women in perimenopause and menopause. And the number one best-selling book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, focuses on balancing women's hormones naturally. She's been featured on Dr. Oz, Oprah, Fox News Health, Mind Body Green, and many publications. Dr. Marisa is also the host of the top-rated Essentially You podcast, designed to empower women to become the CEO of their own health. Hi, Marisa. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you for I'm, joining us. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to talk about, like, well, everything. Um. <laughs> like always, yes, and yes. Then, so first off, how did you get into perimenopause as your thing and women's hormones? Such a good question. Um, I, honestly, in practice, is mo- the majority of my patient base was in perimenopause and they had a slew of different symptoms that doctors weren't, they they weren't putting together the pieces of the puzzle. Like Mm. they were getting treated for migraines over here. They were getting treated for heavy bleeding over here. They were getting treated for digestive issues and bloating over here. And, you know, it was just all over the place. Mood swings, you know, a little Xanax over here, you know, it was, and it, no one was kind of putting together the the puzzle pieces. Um, And so I just felt that so many women where, where we, where it's, just the the hot mess of it all where it really felt that we got the Mack truck moment was happening so often in that perimenopausal phase and that we weren't we weren't given any information about this like everyone kept telling us it was going to be menopause 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 and no it's it was the transition into menopause that was the big issue right. and for me what i've experienced in a lot of my patients but also in my own experience is that perimenopause is happening earlier and earlier and earlier, depending on how you operated in your 20s and your early 30s. And so 35 for me, I I remember because it was right after I got married and I had been in the gym twice a day, getting ready to get into that size zero wedding dress. And it was on the other side of that, that I had severe chronic fatigue. um, And I I remember getting to this teeny size and then just blowing up. Like I just, I put on 15 pounds, like nobody's business. And it was right when I had turned 35, 36. um, And it all kind of went downhill for me for about three to four years until I could kind of rein it in myself um, in denial that it was early stages of perimenopause and things were shifting and changing. But when I looked at labs, I had literally... I had menopausal progesterone levels. Mm. Um, I had severe estrogen dominance and cortisol was just out of control. And so I, I found myself in the same predicament that a lot of women felt themselves in, in their early forties and thought like, there's something, there's something that we need to uncover here. I think that kind of the, the real, the second Mack truck for me was the diagnosis for Hajimoto's thyroiditis. You know, I, I had, I was holding on extra weight my eyebrows, you know, and the 
I had symptoms. There was a little bit of, cause I, it was, it was under the surface, right? Mm-hmm. My, my thyroid levels look great. You know, it was, you know, it, it was when I ran the TPO antibodies that I was like, Oh, there they are. That's what's going on. Um, and, um, I remember it was, I was 30 years old. So I, we were thinking about getting pregnant. We just come back from a month long trip from Italy. And so we had come back and I was like, okay, I, um, we got the trip. I got to do my wine. I'm ready to do this, the whole pregnancy thing. And it, it was that month where I just, I just knew I needed to look deeper into what was going on. And sure enough is Hajimoto's thyroiditis. And so I took a full year off of mm. thinking about pregnancy to just, I needed to get myself into remission. So we went on an autoimmune protocol for six months. I did. And my husband is always usually on the train. Um, and we just cleaned every, every, Everything up. Um, and I spent that year really priming my body to get ready to get pregnant um, at 39 years old. And so I think that's that's when ran all the labs, looked at, you know, looked at the Dutch labs, looked at everything. Progesterone wasn't where I needed it to be, anywhere where I needed it to be if I wanted to get pregnant and maintain a pregnancy. And so I wanted to just spend that year of really, really cleaning a lot of it up. But as we were running labs and looking at everything, it was quite obvious to me that again, you know, in terms of numbers. Mm. It that was perimenopause. And, um, and so that's kind of, that was a defining moment for me, just the, the hill to climb, to get ready, to be healthy enough in at my, to what I would consider healthy enough to have a really healthy pregnancy to set my, 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 my fetus up baby up for success, or even just to get pregnant. I didn't right. even know if I could get pregnant. Um, although I did all the work that I felt was necessary. So that I would say it was 38, 39 was when I was really deep in that work of, okay, this is real. Like we mm-hmm. gotta, we gotta do something here. Um, lo and behold, I did get pregnant, um, and, um, had a miscarriage and then got pregnant again, about two months later, um, and maintained that protocol, that anti-inflammatory protocol, um, basically the entire time I was prepping to be pregnant all the way throughout my pregnancy, um, up until probably around six months postpartum. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think slipped a little bit, you know, around seven months postpartum, I heard being a mama. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little dark chocolate here and there slipped in, but, um, but yeah, I, and what's really, I mean, I have felt my best since 39 on and because mm-hmm. I have really, really worked very hard. Um, especially the food piece mm-hmm. I can't promise that the sleep piece has been, has been pretty at all. Um, or just, you know, the, the constantness of being a brand new mama, but uh, you know, the food and the supplementation piece and as much self-care as I can get in, um, yeah. has been, so now I'm, I'm 42 and a half years old, still breastfeeding, still eating really, really healthy, um, doing the best I can, because that for me, besides the maintain managing the stress, you know, having those pieces in place, the nutritional piece, um, has been probably the biggest game change for me in this whole journey. I always say to people like you are what you eat and the foundation of your health is your food, your gut health, your adrenals, your, your stress, your sleep, your relationships, that's the foundation. So if you're not attending to the foundation, it's really hard for the rest of the system to work. You've alluded to that it's occurring earlier and earlier in the where I sit looking at all the ways in which we're exposed to toxins mm-hmm. and, and 
hormone disruptors that because it's become so much just a part of our lives, like nobody thinks twice about drinking the kombucha from a plastic bottle or using all these beauty products that have endocrine disruptors. And those play a role too in women's hormone balance. And it's just piled on. And then you pile on the stress and maybe hypothetically over-exercising and and here you are, like it's messy. Toxic work environment and trying to be super mom and... (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's messy. You think about all the all the messy that starts in our 20s yeah. that we don't think about because we still we still feel that level of resilience, right? Our testosterone levels are still rocking. Progesterone's probably where it needs to be. Estrogen, she's she's handling business and she's keeping she's getting checked over here. You know, you know, the sex hormones are are humming and running. Um our metabolic hormones, insulin, she's still sensitive. She's all right. She's okay. You know, and then um and you can manage cortisol. You can stay up late. You can pull the all-nighters. You can you can mess up your circadian rhythms. Whatever. You're 20, something whatever. Um and you kind of just and you can get your nails done every two weeks and you can die your hair, all the fun colors, you know, and it all just starts to add up, you know, a decade or 15 years of this uh, operating, um, you're going to start to see some, as your body pivots, even a little bit, you're going to start to feel that shift. And depending on how you took care of yourself in those years really is going to dictate what goes down in that 30 to 40 year mark. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a, it's a decade that I don't think we know that we need to pay as much attention to yet. It's invisible. Um, Actually, it's it's, invisible. I think. Yeah. Well, the the challenge is coming off the teenage years where you know everything, where right? You know you're invincible. Yeah. And then 20. And, and then 20, everybody else is wrong. You can do whatever you want. You are invincible. And then you hit 30 and then 40 and then you start thinking. And you're invisible. <laughs> the invisible. Yeah. You're invincible. Would, yeah, and invisible. I, mean, I think, you know, I, you know, I think women are younger and younger too. Like I, I see women struggling in their twenties and we see symptoms of PCOS earlier because insulin resistance is happening. You know, we see, um, we see irregular periods, we see mood swings. And, um, I think we're starting to see an inkling of a little less resilience, even in our twenties. But I feel like in our thirties, as we head into 40, like mid thirties and on, if you're attuned to enough to your body, you're going to feel the shifts and things are happening testosterone is dropping precipitously. Progesterone is starting to drop precipitously. Um, we, in it, in it, it shows up, it shows up PMS symptoms are a little bit more, you know, all of a sudden you wake up and you're not, you're not hopping out of bed. You're just not hopping out of bed the way that you used to. You need a little more primer. You know, you're drinking more coffee in the afternoon. Like those are the types of things we start to notice. But a, a lot of what culture tells us is, well, that's normal. That, oh no, that's normal. You no, you're that's how women operate. That's how that's how we do life. And yep. um, and so then you think about just stress alone. If we were just to take away, take away the toxins, take away all the plastic bottles, the single use, all that, you know, and and just just the stress and the pressure that that yep. boys and girls are experiencing, <laughs> that alone. I mean, you think about cortisol as a as the ultimate survival hormone. I, I call it a universal hormone because it 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 can send it can stop the presses. You know, it can it can force your body into survival mode so fast. And if you constantly are triggered up by that, you're just you're just in this rat race of this stress response system, cranking and cranking and cranking. At some point, your cells are going to fly up the stranger danger sign, are going to downregulate mitochondria. 
you know, and you're not going to have enough energy. <laughs> Your body's going to be like, I need to, I'm going to preserve. I'm going to, this is scary. I don't want to do this no more. You know, and, and that's what happened with me. You know, we, you know, and at the time it, it was potentially adrenal fatigue, but what we, what I know now is it was mitochondrial downregulation um, so, at 30 years old. So how do you tie this into hormones? Because the people who are listening, can you put the bridge from cortisol and overuse and mitochondrial stress and tie it into how that impacts women's hormones and perimenopause. Because I mean, the thing that I always say to people is sex or stress. You can't have both. If you're going to have stress, oh, you're oh, not you going to have both. No, you no. can't have both. You got to choose one. And <laughs> apparently and you don't want to have both, by the way, you don't even want to have both. Who if wants you to are handling the business anyway. of family and emergencies and obligations, there's no time to wind down for that. No, 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 no. And, and also test, there's no testosterone left anyway. So, so can you draw the bridge for people? Because, um, you, you know, you're looking at it, you see it happen earlier and earlier. And I mean, we see the, we see the lab values in it too. So what does stress do and what's up with perimenopause? Absolutely. And I can, I can break all that down. So, so, so you can imagine, so stress is, is a cascade system that happens in the hypothalamus, right? That happens with the, with our amygdala, stranger danger, part of the brain sends a message to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus says <clears throat> adrenals crank the corticosteroids, please. And so norepinephrine, epinephrine go, and then cortisol follows in suit. And then a slew of things have to happen in the body, right? Our muscles are releasing glycogen um, or leveraging glucose. The liver's releasing glycogen. The digestive system shuts down. Um, your thyroid gets cranked up because we need more metabolic energy. Um, and basically when we're in that state of stress, the one thing that doesn't need to go down is reproduction. So we can, we shunt that off as well. That has a profound impact on our, our cycle specifically. It has a profound impact on progesterone levels. Marisa, let me just jump in here because one thing that you're saying, I really want to highlight for the listeners that, that people say to me all the time, well, I'm not experiencing stress. I'm like, yeah, you are because because our bodies haven't kept up with the technology. So even though we're like, oh, it's just social media or it's just my boss or it's just traffic, our bodies think, oh, a lion's going to eat us or a boulder is about to fall on us and we're not going to have food. So it's even though it's not life or death, the body thinks it's life or death. And that's why it's going down this whole thing. And by the way, long-term unopposed cortisol is going to make you insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. And have PCOS. Oh, yes. So oh, there yes. it all ties in. You know, just mm-hmm. tie a bow on that one. Yeah. And I tell women all the time, the body doesn't know the difference between you being late to a meeting or you having a fight with your partner or you running out the door to do five different things on your checklist. It doesn't know the difference. And initially, what it will feel like is it'll feel like a boost. It'll mm. feel like your slight edge you know, people, we kick into this extra gear. We think that this extra gear is, is like some, you know, sexy energy reserve that we just bought, you know, and it's not, (laughs) you're borrowing, you're literally borrowing against yourself. Um, and over time, it, it feels good initially. That's why I always say you can become addicted to it. You, you can become a stressaholic um, and you can just leverage it just a little bit. Um, but over time, you're just wearing and wearing and wearing on the system. So you're not only are you wearing on a cellular level, you're wearing on a metabolic level yeah. where 
not only are you causing holes in the gut, not only are you causing insulin resistance because you are, because the body really thinks it needs to leverage that excess glucose that you need to get the muscles running, to get the, to get your heart beating, to get your respiratory system running. And over time, you can imagine you keep whipping the horse. It's going to fall down. You know, and, and that's ultimately what's going down for so many of us. And mm-hmm. you're again, your menstrual cycle gets put to the wayside. We, we can't, we cannot run that, that a very energy driven part of our system. Do you think about how, how, how much energy it requires to run our menstrual cycle every single month to ovulate every mm-hmm. single month, right? The main event. It is such an energy producing process that if we have to siphon energy from somewhere, it, that's going to be one of the places that we siphon energy from. So talk, can yeah. you talk about estrogen dominance? And, and then I have to talk about beta glucuronidase because it's like my thing. Oh but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's such a major connection to this, um, right. to this, to this piece, you know, with a, just naturally whether we like it or not, predipitously, we're going to lose progesterone. Um, she's a, a and and it's you know it's it's the hormone we took for granted. She's the hormone we took for granted. We didn't know. We didn't know how important she was for chilling out, for relaxation, you know, for just really supporting us on our in our stress response system. Um, but per, you know, depending on every single woman, it's just she just starts to drop. Um, and so naturally, it's going to occur that we're going to have unopposed estrogen. You've got an angry liver. You've got an angry gut. It's gonna it's going to lend to more of that unopposed estrogen um, due to our you know phase one, phase two, phase three detoxification pathways are just not running like a fine-tuned machine. Um, And so I think the big message, you know, if anything, besides that foundation of nutrition, I really want to emphasize is feed the gut, protect the liver, feed the gut, protect the liver. Um, Especially as we move into, I mean, all our whole life, ideally you, when you are pregnant, ideally, you know, um, but definitely as we head into our thirties and our forties, uh, because that unopposed estrogen is going to lend to a a lot of issues and it's just going to happen naturally, but for some women, it's more exacerbated. And the recommendation that you're going to get from your GP is going to be the pill. We see so many women going back on the pill to lessen the periods to, um, to, to, to control estrogen, you know, and when we think about it, you know, 89% of us will have fibroids well before we get to menopause because fibroids are being driven by this excess estrogen. Symptoms of excess estrogen as early as our mid thirties, sometimes for some women earlier, migraines, um, lumpy, fibrous breasts, um, bloating, more severe PMS symptoms, um, definitely bloating around the midsection, hips and thighs are going to be, that's where the distribution is going to happen at first. As we get older, more of that belly fat is going to happen as well. Um, and then we're also going to see um, cravings. We're going to experience migraines. You know, if I didn't say it already, those are kind of the symptoms that we start to see heavy, heavy bleeding. Um, and you know, just, it, it, That's again, a lot of that looks like perimenopause (laughs) as we move into our forties. And that that's, you know, a number of reasons, either estrogen is not getting cleared. Um, estrogen to progesterone ratio is unequal. 
Um, or depending on the different types of estrogen, you know, whether it's estrone or estradiol, there's an imbalance of those as well as we move into perimenopause, into menopause. And the menopause clearly the roller coaster heading into menopause. Menopause is that defining moment. And the roller coaster is, you know, mind you, progesterone and testosterone are way down here already. You look at labs so often, you're going to see that it's the estrogen roller coaster that is a lot of that perimenopausal kind of hot mess moment of, you know, hot flashes, night sweats, um, you know, inconsistent periods, heavy bleeding, no bleeding, um, sleep issues, mood swings, brain fog, all that's happening. Um, because as estrogen tanks, we become more insulin resistance. Estrogen rises. We see the estrogen dominance. You just can't seem to win, win in, in this moment, unless we're, so, we're pivoting along with, as our body's pivoting too. you get to menopause, all the sex hormones have dropped except for relatively very, very low, what we call menopausal levels. And the, 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 the crazy storm, the, the roller coaster storm of estrogen surging and dropping and surging and dropping is now it's dropped. And so you can feel physiologically, we're most like men at this point because those sex hormones and our cycle as it's been put, you know, put to the wayside. Um, and so there's some things that we can do in menopause that would have been harder for us to do in childbearing years or perimenopause. Cause we always had a cycle to, to consider. So my favorite part about everything you talked about is the excretion of estrogen. So let's back up for some of the listeners. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hor hormones can be a toxin which is why they're so important for us because as your body's trying to get rid of them, you take it from what it is. Phase one makes it more toxic, a toxic mm -hmm. intermediate. And then in phase two, you bind it to, in the case of hormones, you bind it to a methyl group, mm -hmm. which makes it water soluble and you put it into your gut to poop it out. Mm -hmm. That is the ideal thing that happens. Now, in dysfunction, it can happen anywhere. So you can have dysfunction that happens at phase one, although most people are really good at phase one. Then you can have dysfunction because phase two is slow. So your body's smart. You don't want to have these toxic intermediates hanging around. So where do women put them? Women put them in their fat. Yes, they do. You got to put them somewhere. <laughs> fat. So yes. we put it in our fat. Yes, and do. then the women's like, I'm gaining fat. I'm like, I know, because you got a hormone issue. So in an ideal world, you bind that to a methyl group, but people like me with two MTHFR copies aren't the best methylators. So no. I'm a crappy methylator. So here now you have all these toxic metabolites of estrogen sitting in the, in the fat. Now mm -hmm. say you got the estrogen to go down phase one, phase two, you bound it, you stuck it in your gut, and now you're constipated. Mm -hmm. And you have beta-glucuronidase, which is produced by inappropriate bacteria in your gut, hanging around, and their job is to separate that estrogen yes. from the methyl group. Yes, it, yes they are. Separates the exactly. binder, right? And then it's no longer water-soluble. It goes back in your bloodstream, and your body's like, dude, I already dealt with you. You're going into timeout again, back to the fat. So this just this cycle of unopposed estrogen and inappropriate levels and this imbalance in estrogen leads to fibroids. And I have to tell you, do you remember that I had a four centimeter fibroid with our first kid? And then by our second kid, it was a little bit smaller. And by our third kid, it was like a centimeter. And by the fourth kid, they were like, you don't have a fibroid. I was like, I have a four centimeter fibroid. It's gone. So it, this stuff's reversible, but it takes time. It does take time. And it takes so, I mean, it was so much work. 
So what are the kind of, do you have like a top three to five things that people should do to feel better, I guess, get out of the rat race? What are your kind of top three to five recommendations that people can start today? Today, Um, wake up in the morning, drink a big, big, big glass of water with lemon. Wake up in the morning, drink a big glass of water with lemon before you drink your (laughs) coffee, before you drink your tea, that's, you do do that. And you go and you step outside for a minute and just, just help, help your cortisol, help your mitochondria, help that cortisol awakening response to actually kick in, get sunshine so you can prime up those mitochondria, get out in the sunshine first, first half hour, just I'm not telling you to go walk outside. I'm not even telling you. I just want you to be in that sun to help prime up those mitochondria. If you're drinking coffee, you're drinking tea, please swap sugar out for cinnamon. Just, just do that. Swap. Cool. Get rid of that sugar out the gate. Um, Walk, walk after meals. And if it's going to be any meal, it's going to be walking after dinner walk after dinner. Probably the most underrated thing that you can do for yourself is walking after dinner or walking after any meal, getting where you fit in. We walk multiple times a day. We just get in where we fit in. We load the baby in the stroller and we're out of there. And he loves it. He loves waving to everybody. Um, the other thing I would re- I recommend is get, get heads, get headspace, get a mindfulness app, get a meditation app. I'm talking five minutes, five minutes, um, program your phone. That's, this is, this is so great because there are all these apps, but program your phone three times a day. And when that goes off, because most times you have no idea that you're in a stress response mode, it's so under the surface, it's so um, insidious the way that it just runs your life. But have three, three to four times a day where your phone goes off, shake it out, shake that energy out, shake the cortisol out, shake it out, and, or do a three minute, four minute, five minute just floss your brain so that you're less triggered and you're less stressed over time. You're going to create different tracks where you become more resilient. And then the other thing is to, if, if there's anything in terms of loving up that gut and protecting that liver is eating as many green leafy, bitter greens as you can get into your diet, whether it's a green smoothie in the morning or whenever you break your fast, whatever, whatever you go, whatever happens. Um, but try to get the as many green leafies as possible into your diet to love up on that microbiome. And the very, very last thing I'm going to share is eat three hours before dinner, eat three hours before dinner, because your brain needs to brainwash and I mean, literally clean up the amyloid plaque. And if you have eaten late night snacks or you're eating close to before bedtime, you just don't have your, your brain can't do it. The glial cells cannot go in and clean up shop. Um, and over time that we know that leads to Alzheimer's. So eat so, three hours before bedtime. Before bedtime. Yes. Just, I think those are simple, easy couple that doesn't take a lot to shift your lifestyle. doesn't take a lot to shift the habits, but I have found those to be needle movers. These are low hanging fruits too. You know, everyone can drink water, right? It's, you don't need any extra money. You don't need any extra technology. You just drink water. Mm -hmm. So I know people are going to listen to this and be like, I love her. How do I reach her? And I, I think you have a gift for the listeners too. Can you share about how people can reach you and also what you have for, for the Um, bonus guide for the listeners. 
Yes. And I don't know, I have so many sexy bonus guides. So I can, I could pull, I could just say what it is and make one. um, And I can get you guys the link, no problem. Um, So I have a podcast as well, Essentially You. It focuses on women's hormone health um, um, website or Instagram, Dr. Marisa. Um, And then the bonus guide, because we've been talking about this all day today, um, is my (laughs) hormone recipe guide that has got recipes that help to manage insulin, that love up on the gut and protect the liver specifically, um, and to give you that excess and extra energy as well. And so, and these, and they're also, um, um, anti-inflammatory. So, um, but yummy, super yummy. I know none of that sounds sexy, but I promise it's really, really yummy. Um, so this guide, you, you'll get a great sense of what it looks like breakfast, lunch, and dinner to really love up in your body in a really beautiful and delicious way. Nice. What's the, will you, um, well, Tell us the link. It's going to be drmarisa.com slash hormone recipes. Nice. We'll awesome. put that in the, in the show notes too. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the five journeys podcast. Live like you matter. Our guest today was Marisa Snyder and we were so psyched to have you on. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Don't go it alone. It's not a social journey until others join. Share this with your friends. 